Today is August 1st, 2010. Shalom. We are doing a study on tradition, and we are on Lesson 6, to wrap or not to wrap. Let's begin with prayer. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave to us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know Adonai. Hosea 2, 19-20 You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Deuteronomy 6, 8 We keep on coming back to this Shema, specifically the ter- first two pa- uh, paragraphs of the Shema, the traditional uh, paragraphs or uh, three paragraphs from Deuteronomy 6, uh, the second one from Deuteronomy 11, and the last from Numbers 15. Why does the Shema summarize the declaration of loyalty to the one and only God, the King of the universe? Yeshua is in agreement with all of the Judaisms of the day he, in showing that the Shema, or specifically the first commandment of the Shema, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, uh, and with all your strength, is the greatest commandment. And he says this in Matthew chapter 22. What we've been learning in our study of tradition is that the commandments themselves of the Torah are the what, whereas the traditions are the how. The what the commandment says, the tradition is how we accomplish what the commandment says. If we're meant to express our love and loyalty to Hashem, are we to do that with creedal declarations, the I believes or we believe in such and such and such and such and such and such? Uh, Is it with hand-over-the-heart pledges, I pledge allegiance to the Lord? How is it that we are to show our loyalty, our love for the Almighty? Is it with those statements or what we think or what we believe? Or is it with tangible expressions of true love for Him? All of the other elements of the first paragraphs of the Shema, that is Deuteronomy, specifically Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, and Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 22, are the evidence of the commandment to love Hashem. Love is not an emotion. Love is fidelity. It is fidelity uh, not simply confined to good thoughts. It's expressed in reality. Love must be evident. It must be experienced by the lover and the person who is loved. As we start this study today, Lesson 6, some questions to ask. Is the commandment to bind them, that is these words, from Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 11, is the commandment to bind them literal, figurative, or both? If it's literal, which hand? And how should these words be bound? If it's literal, is it an article of clothing to be worn all day, or is it something else? 
What are the frontlets mentioned in Deuteronomy 6.8? What purpose would this commandment serve if it was taken literally? When Yeshua criticized some for making their phylacteries broad in Matthew 23.5, was he condemning the tradition of tefillin, which are called phylacteries in English, or was there something else? Some background on the tradition of to wrap or not to wrap. The tradition is the tradition of tefillin. For millennia, at least uh, 2,200 years, observant Jewish men have tied small leather boxes on one of their arms and another on their forehead during morning prayers. The boxes and the leather straps that are used to hold them in place are called tefillin. Uh, It probably comes from the Aramaic. It is a plural word. It probably comes from the Aramaic. And it's related to the Hebrew word tefillah, which is prayer. Inside those letter boxes, there's two, one on the arm and one on the the forehead, high on the forehead, are four scripture passages passages written on pieces of parchment. Uh, Similar to, as we we discussed with with the uh, um, mezuzah, the cloth, the parchment that contains the scriptures is the point of it. Inside the two boxes are four passages of scripture. The apostolic scriptures seem to make a reference to uh, to Philon. Uh, there, it's, they're called in, in English phylactery or uh, phylacterion in 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 Greek. Uh, the phylacteries is probably a bad word to use, although it was it was uh, appropriate in the time of the apostles when they wrote it. After that time, the Greek word phylacteries uh, or the uh, phylacterion was used to uh, refer to an amulet, which is not which is not what it's what tefillin is. Uh, tefillin are uh, not used as some sort of magical charm as the word phylactery uh, has come to be used. And for that reason, we'll refer to, uh, we'll refer to uh, uh, the tradition as tefillin in this lesson. The word uh, uh, phylacterion, the Greek word, is not found in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Hebrew Scriptures. However, the practice is very ancient, and it's well established uh, by the time of the first century. Josephus describes uh, describes uh, phylacteries in his Antiquities 4, uh, in, uh, particularly in 8.13. Let everyone commemorate before God the benefits which he bestowed upon them at their deliverance out of the land of Egypt, and this twice every day, speaking of, it's speaking of the Shema. Both when the day begins or when the hour of sleep comes, gratitude be, being in its own nature a just thing, and serving not only by way of return to past, but also by way of invitation of future favors. They are also to inscribe the principal blessings they have received from God upon their doors. It's speaking of mezuzot there, the mezuzah and show the remembrance of them upon their arms. Here's speaking of tefillin. As, they, and as also they are to bear on their forehead and on their arm these wonders which declare the power of God and his goodwill towards them, that God's readiness to bless them may appear everywhere conspicuous about them. That's Josephus speaking about tefillin in the first century. Uh, there, is an, uh, there is a more ancient reference to tefillin found in the, the, the letter of Aristides. Uh, in the letter of Aristides, which is a 2nd BCE, so it would be uh, uh, almost 200 years before the birth of Messiah, uh, here's what it says. And this is a translation by R.H. Charles. And it's uh, his letter of Aristides, uh, pages, uh, sections 159 through 160. Moreover, upon our garments... 
he has given us a symbol of remembrance. And in like manner, and that's speaking of, uh, as we'll talk about next week, speaking about uh, Zidzit, and in like manner, he has ordered us to put the divine oracles upon our gates, speaking about mezuzah, and doors as a remembrance of God. And upon our hands, too, he expressly orders the symbol to be fastened, clearly showing that we ought to perform every act in righteousness, remembering our own creation, and above all, the fear of God. As you can see here, this uh, uh, in the letter Aristides, which is a uh, 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 couple hundred years, or almost a couple hundred years before the birth of Messiah, we already, already see a well-established uh, tradition concerning tefillin, and it's, ri- and, it's, and it's tied with the tradition of the mezuzah and the tradition of zitzi, or fringes. Uh, so this, this, these three traditions, as we saw last week in our study, uh, the, the speaking of these three, the court of three, that it is not easily broken as a guard against sin. And here we see uh, a similar uh, uh, purpose in that it is a reminding of their own creation and, uh, and above all, the fear of God, a, rem- a reminder uh, whose we are and what our responsibilities, what our loyalty, how our loyalty should be expressed to him. Um, and it, we, we, we know also, not only from uh, th- that, the, uh, that the tradition of Tefillin was Pharisaic, that's how just Josephus described it, he was a Pharisee, but also in this letter to Aristides, we see that uh, this is not being uh, um, recorded by a Pharisee, but rather in, in Hellenistic in a Hellenistic document. So it's shown that, that uh, we know from Josephus that the Pharisees used the tradition of tefillin. We also know that the Hellenist Jews, from the letter to, of Aristides, used the tradition of tefillin. And lastly, the community of Qumran, uh, who are not Pharisee, certainly not Pharisee, and certainly not, uh, not Hellenistic, uh, they were even... Uh, further withdrawn, they withdrew into the wilderness, uh, they were further withdrawn, very sectarian, they also wore uh, tefillin and used the tradition of tefillin, although slightly different, they used uh, different scriptures, uh, they contained uh, some of the same scriptures, uh, the four scriptures, however they had additional scriptures uh, um, in, in them as well. Uh, what, we, what we can see from these, uh, from these uh, three different uh, sources for ancient tefillin is that it was uh, most likely widespread across Judaism, and that this tradition uh, was fairly consistent, fairly uniform, with slight variations. This is to counter uh, what Karite Judaism says about tefillin. Uh, Karite Jews do not use tefillin and claim that tefillin are, in their in their language, a rabbinic in, uh, invention. Uh, this is this is wrong. Archaeology and uh, um, extant texts prove that it was not rabbinic invention in the days of the Mishnah or the Talmud, but hundreds of years earlier, uh, maybe a, a even possibly thousands of years earlier, uh, if, if, we are, um, if we are to read that this is a well-established tradition by the time of the uh, uh, 2nd century BCE. Uh, tefillin have always related to the deliverance from Egypt. The tradition is always related back to this deliverance from Egypt. Uh, it, the Shema itself makes this reference as well. The four scripture passages that are in the arm and the head box make a reference not only to the Shema, but also to deliverance from Egypt. They, make a, they, they are the four places that uh, it is traditionally viewed that tefillin is being referenced. The first is found in Exodus uh, 13, 1 through 10. 
uh, Exodus 13.1 Then Adonai spoke to Moses saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand Adonai brought out brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month of Aviv, and it shall be when Adonai brings you to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this, this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and the seventh day there shall, be a, there shall be a feast to Adonai. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no unleavened bread shall be seen among you, and you shall, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. And you shall tell your son in that day, This is done because of what Adonai did for me when I came up, out, came up from Egypt. It shall be a sign to you on your hand, and as a memorial between your eyes, that Adonai's law may be in your mouth, his Torah may be in your mouth, for with a strong hand Adonai brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. Here it's tying. Uh, this is, this is uh, one of the passages that is in the R box, uh, all in Hebrew. These, this passage ties together the deliverance from Egypt, uh, the the celebration of Passover and unleavened bread, and also the sign uh, on the hand and the memorial between the eyes, the tradition of tefillin. Uh, Exodus 13 is the second passage that's that's listed. Exodus 13, 11 through 16. And it shall be when Adonai brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you in your fathers, and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to Adonai all that opened the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The males shall be Adonai's. But every firstborn of a donkey shall redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of men, you sh- of your sons, you shall redeem. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? That you will say to him, By strength of hand Adonai brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that Adonai killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrificed to Adonai all males that opened the womb, but the firstborn of my sons I redeemed. It shall be a sign on your hand, and as frontlets between your eyes. For by strength of hand, Adonai brought us out of Egypt. These two passages in Exodus, Exodus 13, 1-10, and Exodus 13, 11-16, are side to side. They're, they're uh, basically uh, repetitions. Again, drawing from the, withdraw from, uh, with the redemption from Egypt, and uh, in the second case, talking about the firstborn being redeemed, and the curse of the firstborn, and the blessing of saving the firstborn, and the offering of the firstborn to Hashem, uh, and it being redeemed, uh, and then this relationship then, a sign on your hand and frontlets between your eyes. The, the next two passages that are in uh, the boxes on Tefillin are Deuteronomy 6, 4-9, through 9, and Deuteronomy 11, 13-21. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, Adonai our God, Adonai is one. You shall love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. 
You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In Deuteronomy 11, 13-21. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love Adonai your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. And I will send grass in your field for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourself, to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest Adonai's anger be aroused against you. He will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the land yield no produce and you perish quickly from the good land which Adonai is giving you. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which Adonai swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. Traditionally, these are the four scriptures, uh, these four scriptures we read are the four scriptures found in these boxes of tefillin. Traditionally, these uh, the tefillin are worn for morning prayers on weekdays, that is, Sunday through Friday. They're not worn on Shabbat, nor are they worn on holy days. Uh, an exception is uh, uh, an example would be an exception would be something like uh, um, Tisha B'Av, which is considered a holy day. It's a fast day. Judaism considers a traditional fast day, and yet tefillin are worn in the afternoon. But normally they are worn in the morning for morning prayers by men. Uh, in the in the Babylonian Talmud in Berachot 17b. Uh, Women are exempted from tefillin. It says in Berchot 17b, it says, Women, slaves, and minors are exempt from reciting the Shema and putting on tefillin, but are subject to the obligations of tefillah, that is prayer, the mezuzah, and grace after meals. Now, that's, that's the take from the Talmud regarding uh, women wearing tefillin. Um, the boxes, the, the, the box is placed on the arm, is placed on the weak arm. It's called a shell yad. It is the box on the yad, the arm. So the shell yad goes on the weak arm. And even though on a right-handed, or excuse me, on a left-handed person, uh, it might be uh, uh, on the opposite side from the heart, it's still considered near the heart. The box faces the heart, that, um, even for left-handed uh, people. The shell rosh, which is the head uh, box, is placed high on the forehead uh, where, the, where, the, uh, um, where the hairline is or would be for those who've lost their hairline. Uh, the shell rosh is placed high because that's considered near the soul. Uh, and the placement of, the, uh, of these boxes, of course, comes from Deuteronomy 6.8, which says, you shall bind it as a sign on your hand, and they should be as frontlets between your eyes. So the place where you put it, where you put these two boxes, comes from what they consider Deuteronomy 6.8, uh, what they traditionally reading Deuteronomy 6.8. The leather straps have two special knots in the shape of Hebrew letters, and then there's a third letter that is shaped the way that the wraps are put on the arm wrap. These three letters together are Sheen, Dalit, Yod, which spells Shaddai, as in El Shaddai, or uh, Hashem Almighty. 
the three uh, the three knots. The yod is on the arm next to the box, the shel shelyad box on the arm. Uh, the uh, the dalit is at the back of the head, the nape of the neck, uh, where the where the strap comes down, which holds on the uh, head, uh, the shell rosh or the head box. And then the uh, the sheen is generally um, visible in the way that it is wrapped around the hand. Uh, some traditions also show a sheen uh, on the arm, uh, on the, uh, on the, uh, that which holds the box down after the box is placed on the arm. The shell yad is placed on the arm. A sheen can be wrapped there as well. There's, there's a lot of different ways, or shouldn't say a lot, there are several different ways to wrap tefillin traditionally over the, over the centuries. Um, there's an inside wrap, an outside wrap, or clockwise versus counterclockwise wrap. Um, and depending on how you, uh, uh, what tradition you, you follow, uh, your tefillin straps might be slightly different. Uh, the boxes may be bigger or smaller, again, depending on the tra- tradition. Uh, for instance, something like the Chabad would have a very large box, whereas um, some of the Sephardic um, traditions have very small boxes. Now, regardless of the tradition of how to wrap, there's the, the traditions all contain these elements. There are seven wraps that go down the lower arm, seven times around the lower arm, and there is a uh, wrap that goes around the longest finger. And as the wrap uh, from the longest finger is being made, there's a quote from Hosea uh, 2, 19 through 20, which says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know Hashem. Um, this, uh, this blessing uh, reminds us uh, reminds the, the, the person uh, practicing the tradition of tefillin that they are betrothed, that God is, uh, that God's people are his betrothed uh, spouse, that he is our betrothed spouse. This, um, the seven times around the lower arm is a, uh, reminiscent of the seven times that the bride goes around the bridegroom, uh, showing the, the, the culmination, the fulfillment of her fidelity, her loyalty to the bridegroom. Uh, the uh, wrapping around the, long, the uh, longest finger, uh, as it were, the ring finger, although it is their longest finger that's wrapped around, uh, again, reciting, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know Adonai. What does scripture say? about, uh, about uh, the tradition of tefillin. First of all, we read from Exodus chapter 13, 1 through 10. Uh, I'm going to read just the end of that passage. This is what is contained in one of the boxes. Uh, Exodus 13, 1, 1 through 10. And I'm going to begin, I'm just going to read in verse, um, in verse 9 and 10. It shall be a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that Adonai's Torah may be in your mouth For with a strong hand, Adonai has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. And it's speaking about uh, the ordinance of Pesach there, or Passover. And then the next one, Exodus 13, 11 through 16. And I'm going to read uh, verse 16. It shall be a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. For by strength of hand, Adonai brought us out of Egypt. The next one, Deuteronomy 
six four, as we read, uh, this is a, the, the the third passage that's found in the box. Uh, verse six, um, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And in verse eight, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And then Deuteronomy eleven. And all uh, 13, 11, 13 through 21 is the scripture that's recorded in the fill-in boxes. But uh, I'll read uh, from uh, uh, verse 18. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. In the homework, we did some parallels where we showed the parallels uh, uh, first from Deuteronomy 13, uh, excuse me, from Exodus 13, 1 through 10, and Exodus 11 through 16. We saw that Exodus uh, 13, 1 through 10 makes reference to a sign on your hand. Exodus 13, 11 uh, through 16 makes an additional uh, reference to sign on your hand, these two parallels. But it talks about the purpose. And the purpose is for with a strong hand, Hashem has brought you out of Egypt. So the idea of a sign on your hand is carried from a from the picture of a strong hand, Hashem has brought you out of Egypt. It's not with our hand. This is the tradition why the tradition is placed on the weak hand. It's not with our hand that we were brought out of Egypt. It was with His hand that we were brought out of Egypt. Therefore, we bind it as a sign on our hand to remind ourselves that it was His hand and His might that brought us out of Egypt. That we were not redeemed by our own effort, but by His. So therefore, it's placed on the weak hand. Uh, Deuteronomy, thir- or excuse me, Exodus 13, um, Exodus 13, uh, verse 9 makes reference to uh, the a memorial between your eyes. It, uh, it shall be a sign in your hand, and as a memorial between your eyes. Uh, whereas in Exodus 13:11 through 16, it says it says it shall be a sign in your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. That word frontlets is the word totafot. Uh, the word totafot. So we see a memorial. And memorial between your eyes in the first paragraph. And in the second paragraph, we see it's frontlets between your eyes. So this frontlets and memorials. But it tells us that the purpose in verse, in verse, uh, um, in verse 16 of Exodus 13, it tells us the purpose. For by strength of hand, Adonai brought us out of Egypt. And then, and then later on, we see that its purpose was, uh, actually, in the first paragraph, it says its purpose was that his Torah may be in our mouth. So we see, so we see this idea that uh, between our eyes is that his Torah may be in our mouth. On our arm, the, 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 the relationship is for by strength of hand, Adonai brought us out of Egypt. This relationship. Go to, the, go to Deuteronomy 6 and, uh, and Deuteronomy 11. We, we did the same thing in the homework drawing the parallels between these two. Whereas in the Deuteronomy 6, it talks about uh, love Hashem your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Deuteronomy 11 it says, lay up these words of mine in your heart and in, in, in your soul. So this idea of love, loving Hashem with all our heart, with all our soul, is, is, is referred to in Deuteronomy 11 as lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. Uh, Deuteronomy 6 talks about buying them as a sign on your hand. Deuteronomy 
11 says the same thing, but then goes on to say, lay up these words of mine in your heart and your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand. It makes this connection between the laying up of these words in your heart and your soul and binding as a sign in your hand. The parallels of the frontlets, we see that it's called frontlets in Deuteronomy chapter 6, totafot. It's called frontlets again between your eyes in Deuteronomy chapter 11, but the purpose is given in Deuteronomy uh, 11. It says that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land. This word totafot, frontlets, is, is from an unused verb. Uh, it's used three times in the scripture. Uh, finding uh, finding how it, what, it, what it originally meant as a, in original Hebrew is difficult, but as best we can determine, it relates to something being bound, tied, or immovable. So it's fixed. Uh, we see that the hand is a sign that the uh, the 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 shell yad the hand box and wrap are a sign, whereas the head the shell rosh is a memorial. Both of these are active in Hebrew, and the way that it refers to it, the they, the point of the heart and the soul in the commandment to love Hashem your God with all your heart and with all your soul isn't passive, but rather active. And in your homework, we went through some of these passages that use uh, heart, lev, and, and soul, nefesh. And we followed uh, through these, and we went through these, these and uh, looked up these, did cross-referencing to these passages for these Hebrew words, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, lev, and nefesh. Uh, go to Deuteronomy 11, it was the first one, Deuteronomy 11.18 says, and you shall, Deuteronomy 11, uh, 18 says, therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart, lev, and in your soul, nefesh, and bind them as a sign on your hand, they shall be as fretless between your eyes. Then Deuteronomy 4, 9 through 10 says, Deuteronomy 4, 9 says, only take heed for yourself and diligently keep yourself. And that's the word nefesh. So it doesn't say keep yourself as in, uh, uh, in, in a generic sense, it actually is saying nefesh, keep your soul, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. Okay, so you're going to take heed for yourself and diligently guard, uh, shamar, keep yourself, nefesh, lest you forget the things you've seen. In other words, your nefesh is what remembers. And as we saw before, uh, the the shell rosh in Deuteronomy uh, 13 uh, uh, 9 speaks about it being a memorial between your eyes to remember. So Deuteronomy 4.9 speaks about keep it for yourselves. That lest you forget the things your eyes have seen unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children, your grandchildren, especially concerning the day you stood before Adonai our God, your God in Horeb. When Adonai said to me, gather the people to me and I will let them hear my words that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth and that they may teach their children. The next passage we looked up was Deuteronomy 8, 2. And you shall remember that Adonai your God led you by the way these forty years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, lev, whether you would keep his commandment or not. Notice that Hashem sees what's in the heart to know whether, he would, whether we will keep his commandments or not as we're being tested. So the lev, the intention to obey him is found in lev, in the heart. Deuteronomy 30 11 through 14, and we noted this was a quote, Paul quotes this in, in Romans 10, 8. 
For this command which, which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that, that you, should say, you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. It's in your mouth, te. It's in your heart, lev, that you may do it. Paul draws from this very passage of Romans chapter 10, showing that it's not too difficult. It's not too difficult or too mysterious, this commandment. It's not in heaven above or in the depths below. It's near that we may hear it and do it. That it would be in our mouth and in our heart, our lev. The next passage we looked up was uh, Psalm 73:26. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength, sur, he is a rock of my heart, lev, and my portion forever. Deuteronomy 32:30. Excuse me, Genesis thirty-two, thirty. We we found it is there as well. Here, the word life is nefesh or soul. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life nefesh is preserved. So his nefesh, his life, is life. Leviticus seven seven twenty-one. Here, nefesh is is in English we use just the word person. Moreover, the person. The nefesh, who touches any unclean thing, such as human uncleanness, an unclean animal, or abominable, or, or any abominable unclean. Person, this nefesh, it's the person. Uh, soul. Leviticus 17.14 For it is the life of all flesh, this speaking of blood, its blood sustains its life. Therefore I said to the children of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of the flesh, the nephesh of all flesh is in its blood. Whatever eat, whoever eats of it will be cut off. Nephesh is life, soul. Deuteronomy 36, 30, verse 6. And Adonai your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love Adonai your God with all your heart, nephesh, excuse me, lev, and with all your soul, nephesh, that you may live. We see that this heart and soul are not passive. Heart, lev, and soul, nephesh, they're not passive. They're action, active expressions of a person. The heart is the will, the desire, the place that we decide to obey God or to disobey Him. That it would be in our heart. That we would take these words and put them in our heart is to agree that His words are good and we will obey Him as proof of our love for Him. The soul, that there would be in your heart and in your soul. That they would be between our eyes. They would always be there encompassing our whole life. Everything that we do. Reflective of our fidelity and loyalty to the king of the universe. In our mouth. That we may do it. We looked up uh, Matthew 23, 1-5. Because uh, phylacteries in English were being used there. 
And Yeshua seems to be critical of its tradition here. Let's go to Matthew 23, verses 1 through 5. Then Yeshua spoke to the multitudes of his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. Stop for a moment. Consider this. He's just told them to do everything that they're that the, that the scribes and the Pharisees tell them to do, but not to copy what they do, but rather do what they because they don't do what they say. Verse four: For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move with one of their fingers. But all their works are to are they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. In, in the language we're speaking today, they make their tefillin big and they make their tzitzit long. Why did they do this thing? Why did, the, did some Pharisees and some scribes do this? He tells us, they do in order to be seen by men. Is Yeshua... Is Yeshua Condemning the practice of phylacteries or condemning the practice of the, the tradition of tefillin here, tradition of zitzit, certainly not. We know that he wore zitzit as it's recorded in Matthew. So we don't, so it's, uh, so it's not a, a, a condemnation of the tradition, rather it's why they were doing it. They did it in order to have their works to be seen by men. Ironic that he talks about binding heavy burdens on others, because that's what we understand the uh, the the tefillin represent a binding or a laying, a wrapping, a tying. That 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 the notion of uh, they bind something upon themselves and then they bind something heavy upon others. Is the tradition is the tradition the thing that Yeshua is speaking of? No, because it, it says upon others that are hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves would not move with one of their fingers. So we recognize that, uh, that there is a contrast, that they are not binding heavy burdens upon themselves, but rather upon others. So he's not spe- speaking specifically against the tradition of tefillin, nor the tradition of zitzit or fringes. But what commandment does Yeshua give to his disciples in this, in this uh, passage? He says, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. This is a great challenge for us. And it's not to uh, uh, completely endorse or to embrace every tradition that is given to us by the Pharisees or their descendants that we see today. Uh, that is what some people would call rabbinic Judaism. However, there is an inclination. Uh, his disciples in that day would certainly have recognized that the Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees, had the, had the, sat, sat in the seat of Moses and had the correct interpretation, at least many of the times. It was that the heart of some was hypocrisy and did not do what they said. Remember our test of tradition questions with regard to how we bind these words on our arm or how we uh, place them uh, uh, as memorials between our eyes. Does this tradition, the tradition of tefillin, 
In helping keep one commandment, obscure a more important commandment. Does this tradition, the tradition of tefillin, turn us away from commandments? Does this tradition, tefillin, deny Yeshua as Messiah? Does this tradition, the tradition of tefillin, cause division between Jew and Gentile? Does this tradition, or the rejecting of the, this tradition, make us distinct, different from greater Israel? If you can say no to all the above, does this tradition, that is tefillin, unnecessarily burden us? In other words, is there another way that we can keep this commandment? In summary, the traditions regarding tefillin are filled with the imagery of love, of marriage, of loyalty, of fidelity. Like the mezuzah, they could be a costly tradition. Because once you embrace this tradition, you'll have an identification with Judaism. The cost might be that as Jews are persecuted, so will you be persecuted. The blessings of that identification, I feel, are far more important. Because to fill and carry the sign and a memorial that as a people of God, we are betrothed to Him. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me with righteousness, justice, kindness, and mercy. I will betroth you to me with faithfulness, and you shall know Hashem. Hosea 2, 19-20 The prayer focus this week was the blessings for wrapping tefillin before prayer. The Shel Yad, the arm to fill him. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to put on the fillin. The Shel Rosh. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments regarding the commandment of Tefillin. Blessed be his glorious kingdom for all eternity. And then while wrapping around the ring finger, I will betroth you to me forever. And I will betroth you to me with righteousness, justice, kindness, and mercy. I will betroth you to me with fidelity. And you shall know Adonai. That's from the Art Scroll, Complete Sidur. Pages 7 through 8. Let's close in prayer. We thank you, O Adonai, our God, that you have established our portion with those who dwell in the study hall. And you have not established our portion with idlers. For we arise early, and they arise early. We arise early for words of Torah, and they arise early for idle words. We toil and they toil. We toil and receive reward, and they toil and do not receive reward. We run and they run. We run to the life of the world to come, and they run to the pit of destruction. As it is written, and you, O God, you will lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit shall not live out half their days. But as for me, I will trust in you. Shalom.